Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. We concluded last week's broadcast beginning to look at the six common marital conflicts as defined by Drs. Cloud and Townsend. We were in the process of looking at the first one, sin of one's spouse. We talked about how the Bible suggests two ways to deal with someone else's sin, humility and grace. Demonstrating humility and grace does not mean that you minimize the sin. And this is one of the most difficult things for some people to do. These people feel that if they're going to be full of grace and humility, they can't be tough on the sin. Doctors Cloud and Townsend encourage us to go soft on the person and hard on the issue. They say that couples need to take a hard stand against anything that violates their values. Do not minimize the sin of your spouse and ask him or her not to minimize yours. Ultimately, this will be the best for both of you and for the relationship. Go tough on the issue, but remember, as God is with you, go soft on the person. Like Jesus, face sin with both grace and truth. Doctors Cloud and Townsend suggest the process looks like this. 1. Look at your own attitude. Rid yourself of judgmentalism, condemnation, shame, and pride. Look at the log in your own eye, show mercy, and identify with your spouse as a fellow sinner. 2. Speak to the issue directly. Let your spouse know that you know and tell them that what they are doing is not right. If the sin is against you, let them know how you feel. Talk about the hurt and how it affects you and whoever else is involved. Don't shame them, but be honest. Use I statements, not you statements. 3. A boundary-loving spouse will acknowledge the wrong and apologize. Accept it. Offer forgiveness. Reaffirm your love and acceptance. 4. When emotions are not strong, talk about the problem to see if there is any further help they might need. Even though they might have confessed and repented, underlying issues may need to be addressed and they may need some outside help. Offer your support and help to solve the problem. 5. Agree on a follow-up plan. If I notice something again, how do you want me to help you? What do you want me to do? This way, you become a team member to deal with the problem and not a police officer. You might want to talk with them about bringing other resources to the problem as well, such as friends to hold them accountable. The important issue is that you are together as a team to fight the reoccurrence. Well, conflict number two, immaturity or brokenness of one person. Think back to when you were dating before you were married. Whether or not you want to acknowledge it, you were in what I term the sales and marketing business. You were putting forth an image of a person that you felt would be attractive to the other person. And the other person was doing the same. And thus, when you got married, you were really marrying an image of the person rather than the real person. You were like most people. You got married totally unaware of many of your spouse's shortcomings. In fact, when you think about it, falling in love is idealizing an imperfect person, not even seeing where he or she falls short of that ideal. But in every relationship, reality eventually surfaces. 
And when it does, doctors Cloud and Townsend suggest we face it in the following ways. 1. Accept reality. Accept reality about yourself and your spouse. Both of you will be unprepared for some of the realities life brings. You will not have the emotional ability to weather some stresses in the way you would like, or you will not have the skill needed to be a mature adult. When this happens, do not be surprised. Here are some common areas where normal people find that they have brokenness from the past or some immaturity where they are not equipped to perform as they or their spouse would like. Relational abilities to get close, communicate, or sustain intimacy. Parenting abilities. Emotional problems from the past or from their family of origin. Lack of structure, self-discipline, or follow-through. Financial inabilities to make or manage money. Sexual difficulties from fear, past trauma, shame, or other emotional factors. Not having completed the two-ness and identifying formation we previously talked about. Not having completely left home and become an adult, ready for marriage. Remember, if you don't leave well, you can't cleave well. Well, none of these are sins. They're simply areas in which you are immature and need to grow. If one of you makes them out to be sin or demands that they not be present because you wanted an ideal partner, you are prolonging the problem. Accept reality. Two, communicate your support to your spouse. We do not grow when we are judged, nagged, condemned, resented, or subjected to some other lack of grace. We all need to feel that someone is on our side and supporting us, particularly us men. Let your partner know that you are their biggest supporter and reaffirm your absolute unconditional love and acceptance for them just like they are. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 tells us, Encourage the timid, help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Let your spouse know that their weakness or inability is something with which you will be supportive and patient. 3. Face issues as real problems. Although we don't wish to be non-supportive or lack grace, we also wish to be honest about problems. Part of love, remember, is honesty and requiring holiness and growth from each other. So where your spouse is not mature, let them know. Be direct, but tell them what you see as a problem, but let your spouse know how you feel and how it affects you. But be careful to stay away from shame and condemnation. Be motivating, not condemning, but make sure you are both clear that there is a need for growth. 4. Own your problems. If you are the one confronted with your immaturity, own it. Be a boundary lover. Be the kind of wise man or woman who loves to get feedback and heeds it. Don't be defensive and try to learn what the person who sees you every day is learning about you. Don't fight the truth as well as the problem itself. 5. Get a plan. In all probability, you will need to get help from others. We need help, mentoring, support, and teaching. No one ever grew up on their own. Some may even need therapy. Others need financial counseling. Still others need support groups or recovery groups. Some need accountability systems. But make sure that your immaturity or brokenness does not rule you. 
Overcome it by being intentional about dealing with it. Devote resources, time, and energy to the problem. Six, make it mutual. Guard against labeling one spouse the problem person. This is never true. Neither of you is a complete person yet. You are both still growing up. Guard against the one who is the most functional being seen as the okay one. God says that you are equal in his eyes, and you should be equal in each other's as well. Usually one of you has to grow more in the relational area, such as expressing feelings and confronting problems, and the other in the functional area of life, such as advancing in a career and getting things done. Help each other in your areas of weakness. Remember, you are one now, and if one of you is suffering, so is the other. Paul tells us in Ephesians 5.28-33 that both of you are in this together. Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. You know, there's no one-upmanship here. Both of you are loving the other as part of yourself. You are one. You are both in need of growth. Equality and mutuality can solve a lot of problems if you are working as a team. You are no longer individuals in the way singles are. Make the equality mutual and make the problems mutual so that you can help each other. Conflict number three. Hurt feelings that are no one's fault. Doctors Cloud and Townsend say that the following is a familiar pattern in many relationships. One of them feels hurt. The hurt person communicates as if the other person has sinned against him. The accused party gets defensive. They uh, go to court defending their innocence. They end up alienated. The problem never gets resolved, and they go on forgetting about it the next day. In such cases, the hurt is not usually anyone's fault. Neither does anything to get their feelings hurt. It just happens. We all have hurts and things to which we are sensitive. Thus, innocent things will set us off. What is important is that we learn how to deal with this kind of hurt where no one is really wrong. Here are some hints. When you are hurt, acknowledge it to yourself. Know yourself well enough to know when something is bothering you. Then own your feelings. Don't ignore how you feel. Figure out what is bothering you. If you don't know what it is, at least acknowledge that it is something. Communicate. Tell your spouse you are hurt by something they did. Don't blame your spouse as if they had sinned. Take ownership for the hurt as coming from inside you. Communicate that you know it is your problem, that you just want your spouse to understand. Use I statements and talk about your own feelings, making sure that you don't sound as if you are blaming your spouse. Well, our time's run out for today. 
We're going to continue next week with this discussion of conflict number three, hurt feelings that are no one's fault. Thanks for being with us today. God bless you and have a great weekend. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. To know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.